Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is the 26th of August, 2020. Well, we started attempting to record this about an hour ago, um, and we, we're crossing our fingers now that uh, this brilliant new technology is, is working properly. I'm Mike A-Race uh, with Kyle Robertson, the striker, and of course, the engine of this crew, and I mean crew lower C. Um, the Shield, Jacob Myers, our fine uh, Columbus crew, SC beat writer. We should start with last week on Thursday, the crew defeated, uh, who did they beat, Jacob? I don't even remember it so long ago. The Chicago Fire, two to nothing in the, in the Mafre Stadium. Um, Jacob and Kyle were there. There were no fans in the stands. With that gentleman performance, um, uh, the, the star of the game carried the day. That was Darlington Nagby. His strike from 25 yards out was a thing of beauty. I'm sure everyone's seen it, and if you haven't, just Google it. It was sublime. Jacob, what did you make of that game? That was the crew's first game back after the MLS's back tournament, um, and the regular season has resumed now at uh, at the stadia of, of the teams in the league. Yeah, I thought they were fortunate at the beginning not to be playing down a goal. Chicago had a couple early chances, one from Frankowski that just missed the left post there and it would have I mean we saw against Minnesota when the crew was down what teams do defensively just kind of lock down and, and play you know essentially nine defenders on the low block and try to prevent any crosses getting in so I think that would have happened but that wasn't the goal and then the crew came right back down Derek Etienne had a goal I did not think the crew played very well, and mm -hmm. to their credit, uh, the players and Caleb Porter were very honest about it wasn't their best game, but they made a tactical change bringing in uh, Sebastian Berhalter, which allowed Darlington Nagby to then move up to the 10, and Santos moved to the wing, and the offense was much, much better then because they had a couple possession midfielders, and, and I want to talk about that point um, later, just what a difference it makes when they have two guys who can kind of possess the ball in the middle on the attacking third. As you mentioned, Nagby had his Golasso, and then a really, probably their best offensive sequence with the pass from Nagby to Santos to Zardes to cap off that game. So not, not their best yeah. performance, but at the end, you know, they held on when they needed to and then finished it off with a few goals, which is things we could not say last year. But also, it could have been a lot more, too. I mean, Zardes missed the PK, you know, late right. in the first half. You know, he blasted it, pulled a Baggio, and just <laughs> kicked a field goal. But, uh, you know, they I, I thought they played pretty well. Uh, I don't think – I, I kind of think Santos was kind of uh, – was. I mean, he was kind of pushing himself. I don't think he had a great game. I, th I thought he was trying to create a little too much uh, – he uh, left a lot of uh, a lot of people open on the left side during the first half um, by not looking up and seeing uh, Milton and also uh, Etienne Jr. Um, so um, you know, I, I thought that uh, he kind of struggled a little bit, um, you know, in, at least in the first half. Jacob, what did the lineup look like? So it was pretty much your regular starters, except obviously Vita Wormhor, who's out until mid-November. Uh, so Josh Williams played in place of him over Abubakar Keita. And Zellerayon was out with an ankle injury that has been nagging him since the MLS's back tournament. It forced him to kind of miss, and not, not play as much, it, not really miss time in that tournament, but not play as much 
Uh, Porter said he was pretty much 80% in that tournament and obviously still played very well. So the wingers were Diaz on the right, Santos in the middle, and Etienne on the left, which, as we've talked about this before, and Caleb Porter has mentioned several times, they, the crew did not have what they like as a pocket winger, a guy who kind of sits between the back line and the defensive midfield to play more centrally and and maybe get one of those center backs to play up and it opens up other opportunities for the other winger or Jossie Zardes. So with two guys that kind of run in behind and Diaz and Etienne, I, I really think you're just saying the crew needs to have that pocket winger back. And Eunice Mokhtar also out. Um, they, they also missed Monday's game against New York City. It sounds like Zellerayon will be back against FC Cincinnati Saturday. Mokhtar may be a little more questionable. Now, that victory over the fire in Columbus uh, put the crew at uh, 5 0 and 1 with uh, 12 goals for and one against. And uh, uh, they, they also carried a string of, of uh, scoreless minutes um, into, into uh, or unscored upon minutes um, uh, into, into uh, Monday night's game uh, at NYCFC, which wasn't actually at. Uh, Yankee Stadium. It was moved to Harrison, New Jersey, home of the plural Red Bulls. <laughs> and uh, there the crew did run into some problems about a team that, against a team, I should say, that uh, has struggled, uh, had struggled this season right up until Monday night. And uh, Jacob, the quick recap of that game, what happened there, the crew lose one to nothing, their first loss of the season. Um, and uh, they're still well, remaining first second. place in the East, uh, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but yes, the, the, their uh, that was their second. Well, if you the NFL back tournament, I mean, they lost Minnesota. But that well, didn't count for right, yeah, that didn't count for regular season. Come on, Kyle, <laughs> just just tee the ball up and stay over. All right, <laughs> um, Jacob, recap of Monday's game, which. Uh, I have taped and haven't watched it again Ooh. through, but uh, uh, New York City gave them some problems with the high press, did they not? Yeah, and what you're going to see when you watch that is um, pretty much from the beginning, Darling Nagby just getting tackled like mm-hmm. a Big Ten running back in the first 10 minutes of the game. And uh, I mean, they were very honest yeah. after the game, Hector Jimenez, Jonathan Mensah, and Caleb Porter about how the official you know, didn't really control the game with their – and NYFC, they weren't making any, I guess, excuses for the way they play, but um, New York was extremely aggressive, yep. probably should have been carded early, and it, it really disrupted the crew's yep. play. And two, I mean, honestly, if we're being, uh, as we should be critical of the crew, they should have been more yep. aggressive. Uh, however, it was just one mistake at the back of Bubakar Kata under hit a ball, and New York went the other way with a two-on-one, and, and that was that. So it, it was, I know you love expected goals, Mike, so indul- yeah. indulge me for a second. This was their lowest expected goals value of the game, the crew. Um, they had they were On an average team, based on the quality and quantity of chances, um, just a half a goal was expected. So the offense certainly wasn't there. Uh, a lot of that, I think, had to do with the physical play yeah. of New York, but the crew needed to find a way to bypass that. Well, I think you'll see that. You'll see that coming in the next. I think that's the blueprint, you know. I think you can kind of call the crew a little soft, you know, after the game, you know, on Monday. I mean, they didn't take it very well at all. And like you said, it it disrupted their flow, and they just really couldn't get 
you know, get it going with the possession. Um, but I thought the, uh, like you talked about the, the, the goal. I mean, um, I, I think, I think Porter can live with the pass, but I think his reaction to the pass is worse than the actual pass because you pass it across a guy intercepts it and it's a two on one. And, you know, he needs to watch the blue jackets and how Seth Jones and Savar deal with the two on one. You don't, run immediately over to the guy with the ball and leave the guy that's the other defender because or the other forward because all it did was gave your goalie no chance and basically a tap in for the goal he needs to hold the guy that's in front of him and let the attacking forward shoot on goal and actually give your goalie an actual chance to make the actual save itself so i think that's probably Porter's probably more upset with is a, it, it, that he he made the bad pass. Yes, it was a bad pass, and then he overreacted, and that's probably you know a young player, and he needs to learn that to hold the other forward that's in front of him, hold the spot, and give your goalie a shot to make a save. Give the goalie the shooter. Yep. The yes. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly. I mean, if you watch a lot of the Blue Jackets this postseason, you saw a lot of the two on ones, and you know he made the mistake, and then he overreacted. And I think hopefully he'll learn from that. And you know, you know, um, you know, he's coming in from the left side. He's a right-footed shooter, so I mean, who knows what could happen? He could have pushed it a little bit over, but at least you know, give Tarball a chance to make a save. Jacob, is this a way to take the? Uh, crew off their game, i.e., let's knock Nagby until they throw a yellow card, which I think was the, th- the third time he was tackled hard from behind. Somebody got a yellow. Um, but uh, that, that didn't stop me. Is, is being aggressive with the possession forward or midfielder, is, is that a way to derail this team? I, I think yeah. absolutely. I mean, how do you not look at the first game this team, if you're an opponent, how do you yeah. not look at the first game in the regular season the crew loses and see how that team plays and not try to implement the same thing against the crew so yeah i think they're they are going to expect more physical play from other teams but more the issue and i think the crew would have switched to this if that mistake from kata didn't happen and the goal wouldn't have scored they would have moved nagby again kind of up to the tent and have santos on the wing so that way you have two guys kind of playing possession, attacking midfield. And when one of those guys is pressured, they're good in possession, but they also have um, another guy. And I I wrote a story on this. It'll be in Thursday's paper. Just you see the difference that it makes when it's just Pedro Santos being one possession guy who can play inside in the attacking midfield versus if it's Mokhtar and Zellerayon or Zellerayon and Santos. It's a huge difference, but I, I do think teams will be more physical and the crew are going to have to adjust to that. It, it looked like against Chicago, the crew did a much better job of fighting through fatigue in the first game back than their opponent did. And I thought on a short turnaround that uh, uh, New York City um, you know, turned the tables there uh, in terms of fighting through their fatigue. Uh, but, you know, who, who knows? Uh, they are... Uh, credit where it's due. The crew five one and one twelve goes for two against plus ten. They have the uh, most points in the league um, with sixteen. And uh, although they don't lead the league in goals, uh, really not all that close. Um, they do lead the league in and uh, fewest goals allowed and and differential. And th- those are very good signs at this point, Kyle. Yeah, I mean you you. Uh... 
you know, in past years, you know, I think I think the the script was reversed. Uh, you know, they were giving up more goals and they weren't scoring a whole lot. So I think it's good early on in the season uh, for the crew to get a lot of goals and have that that differential. How is Jacob? How is Eloy Room? Last, what I knew, we haven't really gotten an update on him. But what Caleb Porter mentioned is, it sounded like not just Zellerayon could be back. It, it sounded like. Zellerion, Mokhtar, Room are all nearing healthy, but some of them might not be fit enough to play because of how much time they miss. I took that to mean, and he specifically said they're very hopeful to have Zellerion back um, for the Cincinnati game Saturday, and we're talking to them tomorrow being Thursday, so we should have an update then. I took that to mean Room will if he's healthy, he'll play Mokhtar. He might be healthy, but we'll need some more time to come back because of how much time he missed. Do you think it was a strategy like for Porter, you know, when you look at Chicago, Cincinnati, and NYC, FC? I mean, those, the, you know, those three squads are towards the bottom of the, of the Eastern Conference. So do you think it's, hey, you know, we can get away without playing them and kind of ease them back in? I think you don't want to play your best player at 80% for the whole season. So I think it's more of they were comfortable maybe against Chicago, and he was really their only player out, if you will, uh, with Mokhtar in room for sure. But everyone else was full health, so I think they were comfortable enough in that game. And let's be honest with New York. They're a team that I expect to be competing atop the East again. I think you saw in that game two teams that expect to be competing for that top spot and just how neither was really giving an inch to each other. So I I don't know how much of the equation that was. I think you just want Zellerion to be as healthy as possible so you can get him for 100% in every game. All right, and then one more thing. I know, Mike, this is your show, but uh, we haven't talked about this. No, but uh, <laughs> it's the people show. Yeah, but uh, uh, and I think this might be a, a not a theme, but something to look forward to as the season goes on. Did any of the players or coach or anybody kind of say, "Hey, the day of the travel, traveling out before the game, was that anything, or is that new, or did that kind of maybe help to the sluggish kind of start, or you know?" Uh, they, they were asked about that, and to be completely honest, uh, when I was transcribing it, I just zimmed through it because it's, I don't yeah. take it as an excuse. But they didn't. Uh, what, what I recall is they said it didn't really affect them. Um, specifically, they, they get in around in the morning, and they normally eat on game days mm-hmm. at 11. They try to keep that the same. Now, Cincinnati, from what I understand in their game against Chicago last night, they didn't get in until the afternoon. So they were delayed a bit, and I think that can affect them a little. Um, I believe their coach, Yopstam, also said it wasn't a, an excuse. So I think that's something any visiting team is going in this league is going right. to have to go through, obviously. So I don't take it um, to be that big of a factor. Now, are they chartering all, flights, or they, is it a commercial? It's all, it's all charter, okay. and um, MLS protocol during this COVID time is leave the day of and come back that night. So wow. I think they check into a hotel for a few hours and then uh, get on their merry way to the stadium and then back to the airport. You know, we're all dealing with stuff. So are they. Yopstam is right. We shouldn't even really talk about it. Uh, I don't want to hear it for one. But along those similar lines um, concerning the COVID-19, um, I found it interesting that uh, a day after the game, 
uh, Friday night at 11.59 p.m., uh, Chicago um, tried to quietly announce that one of their players had tested positive. Um, I'd read somewhere that uh, this player was a starter. Um, I don't know if that's the case. Um, his name was not released. Um, in any event, uh, uh, he stayed home. Um, he, he pulled two positive tests per league protocol. He stayed home. Um, and good the league's protocols work following them. And, and we hope they work, gentlemen, because um, we don't know what other Chicago players were infected. And they played last night. Thing where, the thing is, and, and Jacob, you reported the same thing. The, the CRT tests are, you know, uh, only like 20% accurate over the first, if, uh, within the first week of when you contract a coronavirus. So it, there's, there's that great unknown there. I feel, I feel much more comfortable watching sports that are in bubbles. Um, these kinds of things can uh, develop into a community spread or, or a, uh, uh, one of those pods that uh, pretty quickly. Um, but that's my little rant here. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, the crew leads, as I said, with 16 points. Um, Toronto FC is right behind him, 4-0-3 uh, with 15 points plus 6. Then Philadelphia with 12, Montreal with, with 10. Uh, New York with 10, um, and New England with 10. Um, and, and what I want to ask both of you guys, and we'll start with Jacob, is there's always a roiling on, in the standings. It's hard to even tell what time of season it is, uh, given how weird it's been already. But, Jacob, do you expect to see upheaval um, in, in the Eastern Conference standings as we go forward here? Well, if I can just add to the fire situation real quickly. So Caleb Porter said that the, he found out the same time that everyone else did that the fire had a positive test. He, the fire never alerted the crew before the game or anything like that. And I heard the fire broadcast last night say, well, the team's been very transparent about it. And um, that's just not the case. I reached out to the fire. Well, they, they released, they, it, was, it was like a classic weekend news dump. Yeah. Tom can tell you about these things. It was, yeah. it was 11 o'clock a day later on a Friday night. You know, it's like they tried to slip it under the radar. In the, that's, I, I, that's not transparency. That's that's uh, skullduggery, in my opinion. I reached out to the fire. You're right, asking for when these tests were conducted, how many rounds of testing then were conducted on players before they traveled to Columbus. Because in that press release, it said everyone else had tested negative twice. As you mentioned, Mike, with the PCR tests, it takes five to seven days really for someone to have the virus before they test positive. Um, Did I call it PCR? I. I think you said CRT or something. Yeah. It sounded like a car, but uh, PCR test, yes. And Polychromatic, uh, how, how does, what, give the full name then, Jacob. Is it, it's like poly polymerase chain reaction, is that it? Yeah. yeah. I think that's pretty close. Kyle, do you want to weigh in there? No, I'm good. <laughs> you got a B in chemistry, so yeah. um, I'm proud I got that right. But I also asked why they didn't notify the crew, and, and the response I got back was, we're going to let our statement stand. They didn't provide any additional info. And then I reached out to the league saying why or essentially should teams notify their opponents yeah. when a situation like this happened. And I've reached out three times um, and I'm just being ignored now. So it doesn't sound like there's, this is the hole in the protocol, right? Yeah. We, we knew there would be some loopholes. The, this virus as you know, those experts we've talked to Mike, 
say that this virus exposes loopholes, and this is clearly one of them. All right. Well, I, I'm just uh, I keep my fingers crossed um, as the baseball season and the soccer season go along. You know, um, absolutely. I just I just think I just I just think there's going to be escalating incidents. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but back to the standings here. Um, obviously, it's 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 uh, it's a good thing. It's a big benefit to get off to the kind of start the crew has. It's wide uh, open. It's wide open in the East. Uh, I think New York, like I said, I expect them to be back up there again. Atlanta, uh, interim coach right now, looking for their coach, played pretty well in their first game back. I look at the Revolution as a team that can um, maybe not contend, but certainly challenge the top teams. I, I do like the talent on that team. So, yeah, I, I expect it to be wide open, and the crew has just as good of a shot as any team in this league to contend for the top spot. You are you predicting a supporter shield? Uh-oh. I'm not. Uh, I, I think they have as good of a chance as you know those Torontos and who, whoever else you might put up there. But I, I'll just go with the first seven games. What I see and the depth of this team, I, I, it's much more improved than than last year. But no, not so far. I'm, I'm going to let you guys put shield times two next to me. <laughs> just do it every year, buddy. Just just own it. Own it. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll be right one of these times, maybe. Yeah. Kyle, uh, uh, what 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 teams do you like in the East, and, and do you think there'll be a lot of a lot of turnover in the standings? Yeah, I mean, I think as the the schedule kind of unfolds with you know more games than the standard kind of season, where there's um, you know what well, the crew will play what three games in nine days, right? Is that I mean uh, you know with with Chicago and New York and Cincinnati, so um, you know. I, yeah, I think that I think it's going to change a lot. I think you're going to see, you know, some teams kind of um, get hot and then kind of fall apart because I think depth um, is really going to be uh, important this year. Just because you're, you know, you're not going to be able to throw out the same eleven or twelve guys, you know, continuously. So um, on that point, you know, I think the crew will be pretty good. You know, we've talked about how um, we thought at the start of the season it's one of the deeper teams. Um, they've ever had but I mean also injuries um, you know we're kind of seeing that firsthand you know after the tournament with uh, you know three uh, three starters kind of uh, not back yet so um, you know I I like Toronto I I think they got you know two good strikers up top you know so I mean they're going to be you know hard to defend Um, other than that you know um, trying to think anybody else that you know I I think at least for real but uh, Jacob, let me ask you this now. Uh, there was a thought some time ago that when they uh, began this portion of the schedule, uh, returning to their home state and, and travel, uh, that uh, at some point fans, or at least a, a certain number of fans, would be let in. Um, the game here against the Fire last week was played in an empty stadium um, and with a lot of new rules, obviously. We don't have to get into those, but... Uh, uh, what, 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 how do you see that proceeding forward? Explain for those who don't yeah. know why there were no fans in the stands when they announced it and what their view of that situation is going forward. Sure. So I reported a couple weeks ago and, and was able to speak with chief business officer, Steve Lyons about the crew's proposed return to play plan with the department of health and Columbus public health. And it included, I believe I, I don't have the article in front of me, but it was it was close to 5,800 
fans of a max capacity of almost 20,000. So do the math there on the percentage, but um, the crew had not yet gotten approval a couple days before Thursday's match, last Thursday's match against the fire. So they announced that no fans would be there. However, they were open to that possibility in the future. The next day being Wednesday, about five o'clock or so, the governor, Mike DeWine, put out an order that said fans were allowed at sporting events and up to, it was 15% capacity or 1,500 people and whatever the lesser amount was for high school youth, professional college sports in the state. Now, then there has been since reporting that there can be more fans at some larger venues. Um, it, it just depends. It's going to take an entire other refu- review process. But the latest update I have is right now the crew have not committed to fans for the September 2nd or September 6th games against Philadelphia or FC Cincinnati. From what I understand, the, the Haslums, who I would assume are probably driving this thing a bit, uh, are not rushing back to have fans. Uh, I mean, I, I trust that pretty confidently in who I've spoken to. So, look, I, if, if they have fans, uh, I'll let people decide, like I said last week, on if that's safe or not. Um, just everyone take care of each other, wear a mask, um, do all the right things you're supposed to do. Well, that's, that's well said. Well, and then also the, on that note, the Bengals, I think, announced yesterday that they will not have any fans um, FC Cincinnati too has yeah. also said uh, something similar to that. All right, and Jacob, uh, upcoming next is Saturday at FC Cincinnati. Um, hell is real again. Uh, Patrick Flaherty is is going to use that for the title of the podcast. I think. Can you just give us your thoughts on the game, both from the perspective of the home team in the Nippert Stadium and the visiting team coming down from the Arch City? Sure. Well, I think if you go into a game like this after a loss, you certainly want to rebound against your rival a month later after beating the same team for nothing. It would be pretty disappointing to see if the, if the crew did lose this game. Now, Jurgen Lacadia, the top forward for FC Cincinnati, who was signed on loan this past off season, he should be available. He did not play. He played against Chicago last night being Tuesday and he did not play against the crew in the group stage of the MLS's back tournament. So that's another threat the crew will have to deal with. But I expect, you know, Lucas Elrayon to just do what he did last time against FC Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati has kind of changed their style a bit, as you saw after the crew game they played. They just really tried to lock down in that lower block. It might be a tighter game uh, for the crew to kind of break through offensively, but if you're just looking for at a pure talent standpoint, I, I expect the crew to come away with three points. Now, this, you know, we've been talking. There's not a lot of time for upheaval, is there, Jacob? No, it's uh, fast and furious yeah. through this end here. And I, I apologize for miscasting that earlier. Um, it's difficult to get into the mode where, you know, after Saturday, what is there, three games remaining after that? Yes, yeah, that's correct. And it's it's not an easy road either. Um, uh, they have uh, a couple home games. Um, Philly on the second, that's another quick turnaround. That's a Saturday-Wednesday turnaround. And then they'll have a full week off and play Sunday at home against FC Cincinnati and then wrap it up in Chicago. 
um, at Chicago on the September 12th. Um, so uh, taking care of business uh, is, is uh, did I use such a trite phrase? I guess I did. Um, Kyle, this is a, this is a, a, a quick sprint at this point. Um, and uh, health, there's all kinds of things that come into play. Um, uh, your thoughts on, on, on the quick sprint. And, and, and Jacob, I want to hear about how the playoffs are going to set up and how much we know about that right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the quick sprint is good, but I mean, I, I think they also kind of lucked out on who they on on who they got to play. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Um, you know, I think they did a more of a regional schedule um, to make travel easier uh, on everybody. So I think that um, that helps them. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think they're they're set up well. If if their injuries their injury bug continues, I think they might have some issues. Um, but if they get, you know, some of the people back that we hope, I mean, I, I think crew fans should be pretty excited about this team, um, you know, and, and moving forward, you know, I think they're, they should be set up well um, for, for, a, for a decent playoff run, I think. And I think people need to understand that scoreline on Thursday against Chicago was not indicative yeah. of the game. Uh, also, the Chicago team's solid. They signed three significant pieces in the offseason, and they're going to be much better than the past year. So when they go to Chicago at Soldier Field um, at the end of this first phase of return to regular season games, it'll be much tougher. But, yeah, I mean, look, they got two games against FC Cincinnati. I think that obviously weakens the schedule a bit. Now, for the playoffs, as you said, Mike, I feel like I look this up every day, even for the baseball playoffs, because they're doing these expanded postseasons. I need to understand it. So Asheville to the East, which gave the East 14 teams and the West has 12. Right. What they're doing in the East is one through 10 make the playoffs with seven playing 10, eight playing nine as a playing game. And then you have your traditional one versus eight, two versus seven, like NHL and other leagues in the East and the West after those two play-in games. So it it is expanded from the 17 playoffs you had last year. You're looking at the crew now, and, I mean, it's it's so early. I don't want to say it would be a disappointment if they didn't make the playoffs, but I also think it would be incorrect if we didn't state that just from the offseason implications that this team – has had and to their credit they're off to a good start they got this kind of barrel of points that they kind of banked early and cincinnati is your 10th 10th seat at the moment too with seven points right right so atlanta is seven Orlando. atlanta seven actually things have changed no atlanta atlanta is seven orlando eight chicago nine cincinnati ten but atlanta and orlando have games in hand so what what you want here is uh, you just touch your child, Kyle. I did. <laughs> We're keeping that in, Patrick. <laughs> ultimately, you hold on to the one seed and and, and you get uh, and you get the ten. Yeah. You know, you get a, a week off and a ten. So uh, that's it. Is there, um, gentlemen? Is there anything else you want to cover before we? Uh, yeah. I, been a very bad program on my yeah. end so why don't you guys just wrap it up yeah i think uh if jacob and i kind of talk about what it was like to cover the game with no fans yeah about the same thing kyle what would you like to cover the game without without any fans in the, in the building 
Um, I think the crew did a very good job at um, trying to make it, um, you know, a home match. He's reading off a teleprompter for all of you at home. You know that Kyle is reading off a teleprompter <laughs> to credit the crew. <laughs> no. Uh, I, no, I say I think they tried. Uh, you know, I think, you know, they pumped in some fan music, but the – but the issue was it's an older stadium, so the audio was kind of choppy and kind of um, – So loud. Yeah, it's uh, – how, how do I say? Uh, basically non-HD sound. So, it, you know, I thought that was, uh, you know, an attempt, you know. But um, everything else from the media standpoint, I mean, they were they were really good at, you know, limiting – um, us media in different tiers so they wouldn't interact with the players and that kind of stuff. Um, hopefully they can change uh, some media protocols and kind of give us um, some better access, um, uh, at least for some shooting positions. But um, hopefully we can work that out before the next game. But um, other than that, I, th- I thought they did a pretty good job, you know, for, with what they were kind of – what they were dealt with. Yeah, so – from the parking lot, we park in the same kind of spot on the east side of the stadium. You walk in, uh, get your temperature taken. Before the game, you have to submit a health cert like questionnaire, as I'm sure people have seen um, go around with, or you've taken yourself if you go back into your business um, before you enter a building. And then you go through the normal security, you wait for someone to escort you, and we're on the bridge, the north bridge above the stage. So I, I was kind of partially blocked by a beam. I actually didn't see the first goal. Um, so that, I mean, I don't know how much you can actually avoid that, but I kind of like the angle too, just kind of looking straight onto the goals. I didn't mind that. Press conferences are done um, via Zoom like they have been. So it's two players that the club picks and then Caleb Porter. So that's not going to change the rest of the year. Just like going to Cincinnati isn't going to give me any extra access or things like that. But it it was a little strange, of course, without fans. Um, To be honest, it it did feel kind of good to be back in person and watching a game. Although I would be lying if I said that sports just seems a little kind of out of place to me right now with everything going on. It just doesn't feel as real as it probably would in normal times. All right. These are not normal times for Kyle Robertson. Thank you very much. Uh, Jacob Myers, our fine crew beat writer. Thank you very much. Patrick Flaherty there at the controls had a tough morning. People, let me yeah. tell you, a tough morning. But the gang um, is back. That's the speakeasy for, for this week. We'll join you again soon. For Kyle Robertson, Jacob Myers, and the Fog Father, I'm Mike Gay Race. Thanks for joining us. And Patrick, kick us out of here. <laughs>